Hello and welcome to the weekly VM Campos comic book club. I'm your host VM Campos. This is the series where I review a comic book new or old from my collection and rate it on the factors of the cover art, interior art, plot, and enjoyability of the book on a scale of 1 to 5. For the free video version of the podcast, head on over to patreon.com slash vmcampos. This week I'm reading A Very Moo Christmas, number one, published in 1992 by Moo Press. First of all, as usual, a little bit of background information about the comic book. So this was published by a publisher, Moo Press, uh, that has been extinct, but they were kind of a name in the 90s, mostly for like underground niche, low print run furry comics, black and white comics. And they usually printed a variety of anthology books. And they were the springboard for various creators. The main reason I got this book is because it's the first appearance of Shanda the Panda. A character who has recently finished its run of 50 issues in the last year. The character's first introduction is in this book. So that's the reason why I'm reviewing a Christmas comic at the start of spring. Plus I also like to pick up small press independent comic books whenever I can. I just love the charm of those. Plus we've got a Phil Folio cover which we'll talk about in a moment. So that's the reason why I'm reviewing this comic book this week. First of all is the cover art. Now this is done by Phil Folio, uh, copyright 1992 as per the signature. Phil Folio is known for his cartoony art style, for his Buck comics, Girl Genius, which he does with his wife, Kaya Folio, and Xenophile, enough said. Plus, he also was one of the early artists in Magic the Gathering way back in 1993. He was part of the early cadre of artists that was creating magic cards, art for that collectible card game that's still going strong over 25 years later. His art, along with his wife, Kaya Folio, is some of my favorite art from back in the day of the early magic cards. It was way cartoonier, it was cuter than the other people doing art at the time, but I still love their stuff. Mark Tadine, Richard Kane Ferguson, Margaret Organ Keane, etc. I always like the folio's style. I do have to say, though, that I'm not a big fan of this cover. It doesn't feel Phil Folio enough. It does give me a sense of like an 1800s political cartoon style, something out of punch and such. And it's kind of weird. It's like a it's Santa Claus, but he's like a furry character, and I think the proportions are a little bit weird. He just kind of creeps me out. He's also holding a really weird doll that is really creepy. So uh, unfortunately, I'm going to give this cover a 2 out of 5. It's not in the classic folio style. It's kind of actually creepy looking. I know it's trying to look like a, you know, a furry version of Santa Claus or, uh, you know, Sinterklaas, the original uh, old world Santa Claus. Um, but it just doesn't work for me. It's just way too weird. On a technical level, it's good. It recreates the style of the 1800s postcards or whatever, political cartoons, but I just don't like it. There's some cross-hatching, and then there's a little colorization. I just don't feel it works very well. And then like a, a background, I guess in my copy of the book, um, the, the background's got a little bit of uh, fading or something. But I just, uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a big fan of the cover. Sorry, Phil. Moving on to interior art, there are a variety of stories and therefore a variety of artists uh, in the book. So first of all, we have 
Just reading the names off of all of the creators here and then going into detail. Donna Barr, Roberta Gregory, Colin Upton, Mike Dasho, Dwight R. Decker, and Terry S. Woods, Mike Segarra and Mike Curtis, and Look It, The Cat KSE. So there's just a variety of, of styles in the book. No fill folio in, in, in the book. So the first story is a desert peach story, uh, which when I get to reading the plot is uh, very sad. But this style is like a pencil style. It's like a very sketchy style. I think it's done really, really well. Donna Barr did a beautiful job in this black and white short story of the Desert Peach. And you get a great sense of characters, of expressions, of scenery. It takes place at the end of World War II. And I just enjoyed that art style so much. I think Donna Barr is quite talented. And you can evidently see it here very easily in this story. I give this art 5 out of 5. Then we go over to a Roberta Gregory story. You might know her from her bitchy bitch character. Published in the self-published book Naughty Bits. Her art is definitely an acquired style. It is also very cartoony, but it's much more simplified than the previous story. Very scratchy. A technical term might be to say it's amateur, but she's not an amateur. She's been in the world of comics by the 90s, already in, in, in the world of comics for 20 years. So she knows what she's doing. That's the style that she's trying to do here. Uh, but I'm not a big fan of it in this particular one. I think it's just kind of a cramped story on only one page. So there's not a lot of space to actually like explore the art. So I'm going to give this one a two and a half out of five art-wise. The next story is by Colin Upton, and his art is also cartoony, uh, but it's vaguely like that Phil Folio style, if, if you don't know his regular style. It's this cartoony but realistic sort of style. I think it's done very well. I'm going to give this a 5 out of 5. There's some hilarious expressions with the bus driver um, and panel layout. It is nice and cramped on purpose this time because we're in a bus uh, during Christmas time. And I think this art works very well for this particular story. It's just stark black and white. No real hatching or, or toning or anything. So I think it works very well. The next story is by Mike Dasho. Um, the art here, I think it's a little too busy. It's a little hard to tell on a few things what's going on. Uh, the artist, I think, tries to create contrast with various patterns and hatching and cross-hatching and such. But then, like, there's a few too many lines and details, especially on the faces, when the shadows fall upon the faces, like from the hair. I think that creates unnecessary texture. And I know that the artist most likely wanted to create depth that way. Um, but I just don't think it works as well as it could have. I'm going to give the art a 3 out of 5. I think the anatomy is good and scenery, although there are a few shots where like the perspective of things feels a little bit odd. There is this cartoony nature to it. Um, there's like arms bending in a certain way that feel a little awkward. But three and, a three and a half out of five, I think, is still a very good grade for the art in this particular story. Next up, Dwight Decker. This particular style, I think, is very good in terms of its creative. There's a great shot of the main character sitting at their living room. It's from a crane's eye view, bird's eye view. Uh, well, a crane is a type of a bird, right? 
and uh, it's just uh, it's one of the there's a few too many sad stories in the book and I'll get to reviewing that when we get to the plot but art wise I think this one's great this is a five out of five um, I think the delineation of foreground and background elements works much better than some of the previous artists here and the realistic human character looks realistic enough the cartoony cat character with a mouse looks realistic enough as well plus some flashes of cartooniness to it so i think this one uh works very well the next story is by mike and mike that would be Sagara and Curtis. And yeah, this is the main reason I got this book. It's the uh, first appearance of Shanda the Panda in a comic book. Uh, yet another one of these sad stories. But I like the art in this one a lot too. This is really like the art style that I aspire to. We have main characters that are very cartoony, cute furry characters, but with great expressions, outfits, scenery, panel layout. It really creates a world. And we're able to tell the characters' expressions pretty easily by just some simple lines, simple shapes and circles. No overabundance in toning. I was going to say colorization, but obviously it's in black and white. Um, but in, uh, in toning, we, we get some black tones for shadows. We get some silhouette things. We get zip tone, I believe is the term, to have like these pre-printed patterns of ink. And it works very well. This is a 5 out of 5. Yeah, let's give it a 5.5 out of 5. I think it's the best art in the whole series, in the whole book. It's fighting with Donna Barr's um, story. Uh, but I give it this uh, higher, slightly higher rating just because this is the, the style that I aspire to, to, to do. And I think I can do it with practice. So a very good rating on that. And lastly, on the back cover, because they couldn't cram everything on the regular pages is artwork by Look at the Cat, KSC. So uh, I don't think I know anything about this artist at all. And just by judging this one page story, uh, pretty interesting art. It's very simplified, weird little bug or alien characters or something. And this is, is a 12 panel mini comic on one page. Backgrounds are extremely minimal as if as in there's nothing. Foreground characters have some cute expressions, but they're just like little blobs of things. Although we can kind of tell expressions pretty well from them. This is interesting. It's a four out of five just for the variety of style, the difference in style compared to the rest. So pretty cool. Let's talk about plots. Okay, so for a Christmas comic book, there's way too many sad stories in this. Um, the very first one is, again, a Desert Peach story. Basically, if you don't know about the Desert Peach, it is Erwin Rommel's gay brother. Um, so in real life, he did have a brother who died uh, early on, and then Donna Barr brought him into this like uh, comic format um, as uh, happening during World War II and uh, his trials and tribulations. Uh, so there's a comedy in it, uh, as well as you know progressive ideas and such. Um, this uh, comic is extremely sad. It's the end of World War II. Peach is just wandering the streets of bombed-out Germany. He meets an orphan boy, and they form a friendship, and they're just trying to scavenge together. They come to one of the American bases, and shenanigans ensue. Not really shenanigans, just more sad stuff. The book is, th this story is completely sad. Uh, it was very affecting, and, and I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was something different compared to the other comic fair that I'm reading, so sometimes it's good to kind of look at some more realistic stuff. 
And the artwork, as I said before, works very well. The story works very well. It's very sad. Read it for yourself. I give this first story a 5 out of 5. Uh, this uh, Desert Peach uh, sort of coda story. Roberta Gregory's story, uh, I'm not loving it, is another 2 out of 5. It's just a one-page story about, well, it's very meta, fourth wall breaking. Roberta herself is there drawing and everyone's like, well, why don't you come and have fun and do that later? But you need to draw and pay the bills and so forth, so hilarity ensues. I didn't think it was that funny. Artwork, I didn't quite love it. Story, I didn't love it either. Two out of five, sorry. The next story, Merry Bloody Xmas by Colin Upton. Uh, this one was a fun story. I'll give it a four out of five. It's basically, uh, you know, one of the last bus routes of the night before Christmas and everything shuts down. Uh, there's a bus driver. He takes in all of the loonies as usual on the bus. You meet the most interesting people in the middle of the night. Uh, one of them looks like Santa Claus. Okay, another cuckoo riding the bus. But wait a minute, it turns out to actually be Santa Claus. So this is a fun story. I'll give it a four out of five. Maybe after reading so many comics and fiction and watching Ernest Saves Christmas, you believe right away, yes, this is going to be the real Santa Claus. But then the final part of the, the bus actually taking off to go deliver presents, it's pretty fun. The next story by Mike Dashow. It seems like there's a lot going on before this story. I don't know these characters. I don't know this plot, but it seems to be some sort of future dystopic state. And then there's a couple of like rebels that come into some base to steal some stuff, some supplies. Uh, the guy is kind of like a nerdy kind of guy. The girl's a little bit more action oriented. Um, they're about to take off with everything, missiles and stuff, but then one of the guards finds them, she sneaks up on him. It's kind of standard fare. Didn't think it was that interesting, but I think it continues a story that was started elsewhere, and if you follow the other story, well, this continues it. Whereas I thought the Desert Peach story was pretty self-explanatory, self-contained, even though by this time there had probably been dozens of issues of that comic. Uh, here I just felt like it was a little bit too out of place. I wasn't, I couldn't quite tell what was happening, so I'll give that a 3 out of 5. Okay, so the next story by Dwight Decker is another one of these stories that you really have to know what's going on. Uh, this comes from the, the Rudipert story, a classic furry story, which I never read. I don't really know what's going on with it. There's just some slight touches of furry characters. It's more about some guy suffering, like PTSD. Here's another one of these sad stories in the book. And uh, basically, it's kind of sad. Uh, I'm not going to say it's animal abuse, but there is uh, yelling at a cat. And um, that's, uh, that, that's a little triggering right there. But it's in the service of the story. Again, it's not abusive. It's not like overt abuse, but it's, you know, yelling at a cat. Just like if you would yell at your kids, it's, it's not nice. Um, and there's, it's a very emotional book. And it ends with some reconciliation. So that's nice. But overall, it's still a, a kind of a sad story. I'll give it a 5 out of 5. The full range of emotion is important to experience, especially in escapist entertainment. The next story, Shanda the Panda. Well, here's another sad story. Basically, Shanda is the owner of a independent movie theater where they're currently showing Drone Alone 2 and Francis Drake Coppola's Quackula. So right away, we see Shanda sad at the, at the, um, at the ticket at the box office. And uh, we just get a sense that, you know, it's December 17th, 3 in the morning, and uh, it's just kind of hard running a business and living alone, being separated from your family, getting up and uh, going to work, 
you have good employees and such, but it's still you've got a lot of responsibility. So it's a very grown-up story about a young woman trying to make it in her small business. I enjoyed this one a lot. It says a 5 out of 5. Throughout it all, there's a great sense of life is hard. And sometimes you get to your breaking point and sometimes you just have to yell. Especially when the last patron really sasses you. But it does end on a hopeful note in that remember to help each other. Remember to brighten someone else's day. You get back tenfold what you give out. And that's what Shanda ends up doing. She helps a single mom with her child and really brightens their day. And I love how it ends. Christmas, or anything you celebrate, is normally a time of closeness, kindness to fellow beings, and family gatherings. And family is sometimes where you find it. I think that's a wonderful sentiment. I love the ending of that. The artistry of it. This is a cute little car that they're driving in. And so the plot is amazing. I'm going to give it a 6 out of 5. This is a great introduction to the character. She has her personal things that bother her, but then deep down she's a good person. And I think we can all strive for that. The final story's plot is pretty nonsensical. It's a very surrealistic, stream of conscious sort of story. Not much to say, you just have to read it yourself. And uh, okay, it's interesting. Two out of five, moving on. So now the enjoyability of the comic. I enjoyed it a lot. I'll just say right away, I give it a five out of five. Even with some of the stories inside that didn't hit as well as they could have. I like the variety of art. I like the variety of stories, the plots, even the ones that didn't work that well. It was really cool to get this anthology comic. And I think that's one of the things that's missing nowadays. Anthology books just don't seem to be on the shelves like they used to be. Is it really that they don't sell or it's just that they don't publish them enough to create a foothold? Sometimes it's cool to have four or five, six little stories in a comic book for the price of one. Speaking of which, this was $2.95 in 1992. Whoa, pricey. Uh, but anyway, it's uh, it was an enjoyable book. I, I liked it a lot. I give it a five out of five. So in conclusion, I recommend the comic. Yes, it's a little bit harder to get a hold of nowadays. You just have to go to eBay for some of these diamonds in the rough. You're not going to really find these in the back issue bins. I don't really think Moo had like direct market distribution. It was all through mail order from what I understand. So you can find it pretty easily on eBay for a variety of prices. I forgot what I paid for this, probably not too much. So if you're looking for a not-of-the-norm type of comic book, especially one of a Christmas in spring, check this book out. Once again, if you'd like to see the video version of the podcast, head on over to patreon.com slash vmcampos. You'll be able to see it for free. You'll also be able to follow on Patreon for free to be alerted to everything that I do regarding comic books, San Diego Comic-Con, cosplay, Magic the Gathering, all that cool stuff. If you go to the $1 tier, you'll unlock exclusive content, such as the longer version of my top comic book picks. That's the series where I tell you about the comic books that you need to know about by the final order cutoff date to get that perfect comic for your collection every single week. At the $2 range, I'll actually mail you a comic book in thanks for being a patron. 
If you can't quite contribute at the moment, no problem. Just follow, follow for free. I would appreciate that. You can also like, reply, share, do all that good stuff. It means a lot when you share the podcast, when you tell other people about it, that there is a comic book podcast every single week. So this week I read A Very Moo Christmas, number one, published by Moo Press in 1992. This has been the weekly VM Campos Comic Book Club, and I'll see you next week.